We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. With that conversation with Josh Pate done, I'm going to bring in my guy, Sean Davis, to join me. We are going to now uh, talk a little bit about just where everything is right now and some of the conversations that have been going on that Josh and I talk about. And and then Sean and I are going to get into a little bit of a conversation about the tiers of college football and where Notre Dame is right now, it, it truthfully is, and what the different tiers mean and, and have that conversation. But uh, Sean, as we kick off this conversation, you had a chance to listen to my interview with Josh Pate. And it was it was very eye opening to me, you know, talking to someone from the South to understand, you know, why there's the feelings they are. You and I have had a lot of conversations about why people from the North may have, you know, feelings one way or the other about Notre Dame. But just overall, Sean, you, you know, you and I have have had a chance to talk about this privately. I want to give you a chance to discuss the comments that are that are made about Notre Dame this this last week, where it kicked off, obviously, with Paul Feinbaum and. Stephen A. Smith and Christopher Russo. And then, of course, as usual, everybody wants to jump on board and get their get their licks in, Sean. But I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of respond and, and share your thoughts on uh, on how you feel about all these comments about the irrelevance of Notre Dame football. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need Indeed. Well, when it comes to relevancy in college football, it has always been trendy. And one of the things you discussed was how independence truly dominated going back to the 80s and early 90s and how the SEC kind of had a lull. And with that being said, the angst that went back to the 60s with Notre Dame and their matchups against Alabama was something that really stood out. And I was like, yo, you know what? You're right about that. Like, I can see Alabama fans having an issue and taking an issue and not really feeling love for Notre Dame and the brand that they've created. We can make it regional. We can make it conference. We can put whatever title we want to put on the hate. All of this comes down to one thing. And Brian, you and I know this as being the root of all evil. And it's money. It's money. Every other school in this country has to come together to get the most out of their brand. They can't separate themselves. They have to walk into boardrooms together, collectively, as a group, as a conference, in order to maximize their brand. Notre Dame doesn't have to do that. And that upsets everyone. They thought Notre Dame would come to the table in the 80s. They didn't. They thought eventually Notre Dame would come to their senses in the 90s, in the early 2000s. They did not. Even as they are starting to build these super conferences now, and starting to tinker with the college football playoff system, whether it's going up to 12, or eventually expands to 14 with automatic qualifiers from all the conferences, whether it be three from this conference, two from another conference, three at large bids. Doesn't matter how you shape it. Jack Swarbrick has told everyone and been very honest. So I don't know what they're mad about. We will make a move when it impacts our ability to win a national championship. Because you all don't have enough money for us to make a move. And that's why they're mad. They want Notre Dame, or they're trying to come to Notre Dame like Ted DiBiase back in the day. They think every man has a price. And they, they're still searching for that price that Notre Dame has to finally convince them. And Jack Swarbrick has told you what the price is. The day we have no path to a national championship is the day we'll have to consider that. But as long as you want to stay on Money Street, as far as Notre Dame is concerned, money never sleeps at Notre Dame. It never sleeps. Notre Dame will never have a problem raising money. They're good stewards, so they'll never have a problem properly spending money, which means they're never going to have a problem saving money. That's it. So while you all are running around asking about relevancy, wait a minute. See, Brian, I've been in these production rooms mm-hmm. at that network. Fans have come on this show in the chat, other shows, and said, oh, they don't like Notre Dame. I said, no, they love anything that they know is going to bring money. Don't let the public face fool you. Notre Dame was put in block A, the second part, because they represent money. It's the same reason the Dallas Cowboys are constantly talked about. It's the same reason the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James are constantly talked about. Whatever brings us money, it's up to the producers to figure out the two sides that we're going to come at this from. That's their jobs. That's why it didn't bother me, because I understood what I was watching. I understood there was a production meeting, and they said somebody has to take this side, and somebody has to take the other side. Well, in what that was one, nobody took an opposite side. They all no had one to took an opposite team. side. I think Russo being the because Russo usually harkens back to the old days in his debate. So I was shocked that he didn't bring up what Notre Dame really means to college football, right? In multiple ways, he but, basically said the old school doesn't even matter. Yeah, it shouldn't so, matter, which was petty. 
so he bandwagons and they all forget that they're only doing what they do because they generate money. The moment they don't generate money anymore, they'll be gone. They'll be gone. And this is what everything, this is why you're expanding the playoff. Right. Money. This is why conferences want automatic qualifiers. It's guaranteed money. That's it. They don't care about competition. They don't care about the They don't kids. care about the quality of the game. They definitely no. don't care about the kids. Absolutely. None of that. 16, 17 game schedules on top of this for 18 and 19 and 20 year olds. 100%. Absolutely. They and would they don't expand. Care if the game is still healthy in 10 years, Sean. They don't. No. Because they're going to get theirs right now. Yes. And that's what it comes down to. Yes. That's what it comes down so to. So when you talk about relevancy, it is something that is directly tied into. Now you have to understand this. What they did and what they said was a clear sign that Notre Dame is relevant. Right. That you went, Sean. That's the thing, though. It's like, when was the last time you heard them on the show talking about Iowa State, (laughs) or you know what I mean? Um, I mean Pitt, Syracuse. No, no. Though you can get into that conversation, sure. And that's what that's what's so annoying about it. It it just. I don't know. Maybe I'm just ri- ridiculous and, and, and stupid for expecting somebody to care about quality anymore. Like the mm-hmm. whole conversation was just petty and just like, this isn't like I could literally get three dudes off the street that have never been on a show before that barely know anything about college football. And they could give me exactly the same level of content we got from those three knuckleheads. Yeah, you know, and and that's the that's the unfortunate thing. But as I said to Josh, the reality is is this is good for Notre Dame. This is why I don't. This is why I don't. Like, Notre Dame fans, look here's there's two reactions that you should have, and both of them should involve not engaging in it. Number one is ignore it, because they'll stop doing it when it stops making them money and generating clicks and discussion and all that kind of stuff. So it really bothers you, then just don't engage in it. But number two, you should embrace it, because and I, it, young people have always been this way it manifests itself in different ways they Mm kind of like the idea of the counterculture and notre dame right now is the counterculture to what the rest of college football is and if you sell it as such then it's going to be more attractive if the product on the field is is good enough to say hey we can get to that next step and the whole conversation about about relevance is just it's stupid because now if you want to have a conversation of saying, hey, Notre Dame should not be considered as an on-field product on the same level as Alabama and Georgia, Ohio State, okay, we can have that conversation. There's some truth to that conversation because I could say, hey, listen, Notre Dame has been competitive with Ohio State a couple times. They've been competitive with Georgia a couple times. But then you could ask me, your counter would be, well, what's their record against those teams? It's 0-6, but... And then I could give you, this game was close and that game was close and they had a chance to win this one and you could counter with, but what's their record? And I got nothing for you. We can have that conversation. And that's where Notre Dame still needs to get to as a program. They've got to start winning some of those games. Mm-hmm. But to then take that and jump off a cliff, you know, a, a, of, of ignorance and say, hey, listen, I'm going to say the dumbest thing possible that doesn't at all speak to this conversation and say, hey, look, they're not relevant. What, what, what are you talking about? They're not relevant. Like, it's just a silly conversation. And the fact that you three of the biggest names at ESPN were having this long 20 minute conversation about Notre Dame tells me everything I need to know about how stupid your opinion on the subject is. And yeah. and that's the that's the reality of it. But if Notre Dame is smart, if Marcus Freeman's smart, Chad Bowden's smart, and I believe they are, they're gonna relish this stuff. Notre Dame should never push back on this. Embrace the hate, sell the hate. Now, don't suck up to them. I wouldn't want to, I don't want to see that either, but sell it. Hey, there's a reason that they're all against us mm-hmm. because you know they understand what happens to the rest of this sucker. If like if Notre Dame wins this year, as long as there's no this is the thing, it's like I, I, this next year is going to be really fascinating. As long as like the Big 12 and the ACC and some of these guys can kind of hang on for a little bit. And don't just cower to the Big Ten and the SEC. If a team like Notre Dame or Florida State, especially Notre Dame, goes out and wins it all this year, mm-hmm. it completely changes the dynamic because the reality is is those teams can can do what they're doing because they do get the most money and because they're winning. That that that's the re- that's the reality of it. 
And and so to me, that's Notre Dame has a chance to make some big moves here. But even without that, the fact of the matter is, is in the last decade, Notre Dame is sixth in all of college football in total wins. Sixth. They rank in the top 10 in average recruiting class ranking, if you look at the 247 sports composite ranking. So all these notions of you can't win this, you can't recruit that, you can't do this, you can't do that, is utterly absurd. And if you look at the the, the 10 years prior to Clemson winning their second title, Notre Dame out-recruited Clemson that entire time as well. Clemson has only had, I think, three top three or four, three, four top 10 classes mm-hmm. in the last decade. Three of those four came after they won their second title. The, they make up the current Clemson team, which has been disappointing. So there's just so many metrics you look at and just say, this is all just silly. There, there's literally no metric you can use to, to say that Notre Dame is, is, is not relevant or Notre Dame can't win anything. Notre Dame wins a lot. There's three teams that Notre Dame hasn't been able to beat in the last <laughs> decade. Three. That's it. Yeah. Right? I mean, since Brian Kelly was hired, they've beaten Oklahoma. They've beaten Texas. They've beaten Michigan. They've beaten Clemson twice. You know, like they, they've beaten everybody that they've played. Yeah. They've beaten except for Georgia, Alabama, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. State. They've beaten LSU twice in the last decade, twice. So, like, who's the team that they've played that they haven't been able to beat except for those three? So, if you're going to say, well, the standard is you're not relevant unless you didn't, okay, well, then there's a lot of not relevant. No one's relevant except for those three teams. But, sadly, yeah. that's kind of how ESPN acts is nobody is relevant except for these these couple teams. So, it does kind of make sense why they would have such an ignorant take on, on this whole conversation, Sean. But And to say that, you have to admit, you're talking about the last decade. Notre Dame has been one of the most consistent programs in the country, hundred percent. That's two. That's two sides to that. Because we both agree that under Marcus Freeman, the recruiting, in our opinions, has gone to the next level. The numbers bear out that he has recruited in his first two seasons better than his predecessor at the end of his tenure. Right. And the way things were going, so he's elevated the recruiting. Now the twenty-five class has a chance to be the best class he's ever brought in to Notre Dame. And I think what they do on the field this year is going to go a long way to make sure that on National Signing Day that comes to fruition. Notre Dame is constantly for the last 10 years in the top six to seven teams of NFL players. I would venture to say that one of the top six to seven college football programs over the last decade. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's success has been very consistent and linear. Mm-hmm. Very linear. Other teams have ascended. LSU's ascended a couple of times, got a championship then, here, got another come, come back down. Right. Michigan. Michigan pro- program has not been better than Notre Dame over the last decade, but people are going to say Only over the last three years, right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, last three years. Yeah, we're talking about the last decade. Yeah. Who has had the ha- better What program? happened after that win? They, their coach leaves. They coach lose leaves, everything. So we'll them. see. We'll see where the program goes right. over the next two to three years. Notre Dame is who they are. They are literally, this is who we are. This is who we are. Now, can we get the right coach and staff to take us into the right. future of college football to put us in position to be able to go from tier two to tier one? But like you said, Texas is at tier two right now. Oklahoma's at tier two. It's a lot of programs yeah. at tier two, right? The kid, some kid from Texas, I believe, at the combine said that it's a great example going from the Big 12 or opportunity going from the Big 12 mm-hmm. to the SEC because yeah, they'll the finally get a chance to dominate. And I'm like, <laughs> Is this entire world delusional about how college football works? It really is. It it really is. What is in the water nowadays when it comes to the landscape of college football? From ESPN down to these kids in Texas that didn't win a darn thing and couldn't beat the Pac-12 champion. Right. Right. It is baffling to me. And I I sense panic. Twice, because they also lost to Washington last year. Last year. I sense panic, honestly. 
I really do. Because I think a lot of things are not going the way people anticipated. I think certain conferences anticipated, oh, we're just going to be able to roll in, get these super conferences, and we're going to be able to get what we want. And they walked into that boardroom last week and realized that people are like, no, we're not just about to hand you this TV money, hand you this revenue. Remember, we had a talk. I said, dude, I Notre Dame shouldn't even argue about automatic qualifiers. Mm-hmm. You have Wake us up when you start talking about the money. We start talking about that. Wake us up. I do. I sense panic. Head over their skis a little bit. Didn't expect certain things to go certain ways. You know how that is. You go into a conversation, you plan it out, you expect, okay, I expect it to go. And then all of a sudden you get blindsided by a response and it's like, oh, all right. I didn't think it would go that way. Now, yeah, now you have to recoup. Now, now we're hearing about team conferences succeeding. You know, it's like, so now SEC is like, oh, we're pulling all our teams out of the plate. Really? To do what? You're going to go form your own conference and your own playoff? Good luck with that. Yeah. Go ahead. You. It's going to be fascinating to see that because I know the SEC and the Big Ten are talking tough. But right now, the Big Ten, the ESPN wants the entire package when it comes to the playoff. They have that for the next two years. Well, the Big Ten is signed with Fox and CBS and NBC. Or, or, you know, So there's a lot of things that are going to hold up. But I thought the best part of – well, I shouldn't say the best. One of the best things that Josh said is there needs to be a – there needs to be some we, – we just don't communicate with any thought like thought anymore. We just say mm-hmm. these hot take type of things that you know are going to get people fired up. There's no, there doesn't seem to be as much of a desire to have honest conversation anymore. And the, and the mm-hmm. thing he said was, is like, and this is true, not just on ESPN, but this is true when it comes to uh, a lot of the conversation fans have about things. There's no, there's no, you know, middle ground. It's, it's this or this, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And when, it, when you talk about Notre Dame and he said, like, there's a difference between this is what's always frustrating to me because Notre Dame fans, a lot of Notre Dame fans, some in this chat have bought into this lie of there's a difference between can't and haven't. And that's, I, I love that conversation. Say this team can't win a championship. Well, that's nonsense. What do you mean they can't? Why can't they? Are they not eligible to go to the postseason or something like that? And, you know, George is a perfect example. Oh, Georgia has all the things in the world to become a great team. Well, then why didn't they win a title for over 40 years? Right? Was there something keeping them back? No, I mean, there was just always somebody better. And so now they've been able to kind of climb over that hill. You know, know, this guy can't win. This school can't win. Well, there are some schools that can't win a championship in football. There just Mm -hmm. is. Right? I mean, Northwestern's not going to go win a national championship for football, Sean. They're no. just not. Not right. I mean, there's just not the way the current landscape is. You know, Oregon State's not not going to go. To, to say that a team like Notre Dame can't win at all, it, to me, again, it, it's just a, it shows a fundal, fundamental misunderstanding of who Notre Dame is. And, and, and even like during tenures where it was going to be almost impossible for them to win because of their own the, the, themselves, the leadership at Notre Dame standing in the way of the football program, it was still not a can't. It was a choose not to do the things needed to compete for a championship. And so Notre Dame is doing the things that they need to do to compete for a championship. We've talked about this. I mean, you know, Notre Dame's not relevant, but they have arguably the highest paid coordinator gr- duo in the country. You know, they just, you know, LSU, we, we, we took your head coach. Okay, we took your offense coordinator. Can we move on from that? People make decisions to leave for jobs. I mean, that's just – that's kind of part of the conversation. And and so that's the that's the annoying thing is this this notion. That, and, and it frustrates me when Notre Dame fans buy into it. Oh, Notre Dame can't win. Why can't they win? We haven't won in 35 years. Okay, Georgia went 41 years between winning titles. When jo- when Ohio State won in, in 19, uh, 2002, it had been 31 seasons since they had won a national title. Michigan won a title this year. The last time they had won a title was, what, 25 years ago, and it was a half a title. The last time Michigan won a, a undisputed championship was literally at the end of World War II, right? So this notion that you can't do it, it's just, again, it goes back to what I've been saying, Sean. It's lazy. There's too much lazy conversation going on uh, among pundits, among fans, and all that type of stuff, and it, it just get, it, it gets really frustrating. What? It reeks, it reeks of the young boy that runs around the playground pulling the young girl's pig, pigtails because he likes them. And that's college football. They really love Notre Dame. 
They all want Notre Dame, truth be told. But instead of just being honest and saying, yo, what's it going to take to get you? Like, we'll wait for you. They would much rather just poke, 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 poke. It's like, dude, it's childish, it's immature, and it is what it is. And why are you so concerned about enough? I don't count your pockets, B. Right. I'm sorry. I have my own house to take care of. Right. Let's be real about something. Let's be real about something. Yeah. If Notre Dame floated something, hey, we're really contemplating joining a conference. And here's what the asking price is. Mm -hmm. The asking price would eventually skyrocket because every power fought for conference would be competing to get Notre Dame in. And that's it. That's the funny thing about all of it. This whole thing is that that they're upset about. They created this monster. You all created this monster by not letting Notre Dame into your conference a hundred years ago. And then people Mm -hmm. forget it happened again in the 50s. Mm-hmm. This isn't something that happened with Fielding Yost and Newt Rockney, and it just ah, we're at, right. It happened again 30, 40 years later. Notre Dame wanted to join the Big Ten at the time, I believe it was called the Western Conference, and they wouldn't let it in. So Notre Dame said, fine, we're gonna go do our own thing. So then Notre Dame creates this monstrosity, this monster program that stretches from coast to coast, north to south, east to west, you know, northeast to southwest. There's Notre Dame fans everywhere. You created this monster. You created this 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 animal, this beast that is the only entity in all of college sports that can have its own network that can be independent and flourish, right? You created this monster, and now you're jealous of it, and all you do is cry and whine and complain about how you know, oh Notre Dame, it's unfair, it's unfair. Why why does Notre why is Notre Dame allowed to be an independent? Well, you guys forced them to be independent. Notre Dame wanted to join a conference. But you said no because of anti-Catholic bigotry. I'm not even a Catholic, and that's not even debatable, right? And so it's just hilarious to me to, to listen to these people talk about how unfair it is for Notre Dame. And the best part of that conversation, Sean, is listening to those knuckleheads, and I'm trying my best not to say even worse words because I'm trying to be kind today. But to listen to them talk about, well, you know, no, I don't want to hear Notre Dame crying, and whining. And I'm like, A... Guys, Notre Dame has already known this. Everyone else that's been paying any remote attention to college football has known that Notre Dame wasn't going to have a bye for two years. This isn't new. That that was the hilariousness of it. Like these idiots, I, I, I was trying not to say it. I let it slip. These people at ESPN were acting as if Notre Dame not being able to get a bye in the change from six to six to five to seven was this new thing. Like, oh, how's Notre Dame going to handle this? I'm like, uh, it was negotiated by their AD. And we've all known this for two years. That was even the more hilarious part. Like you guys are so not tuned into the sport you're speaking about right now that you didn't even realize that this has always been the case when the 12 team playoff was agreed to. Notre Dame was never going to get a bye. I don't hear Notre Dame fans complaining. We're not. You guys are talking about it. We're good with it because what Notre Dame fans should realize and what I've pointed out is Notre Dame getting the five seed is actually better for their path to the playoff than getting a higher seed because it almost guarantees them two straight games against teams that would be ranked below them in the rankings if Notre Dame was in fact able to have a bye. And so this is good for us. And you you idiots that like, don't even see that. And here's what's going to happen. Notre Dame's going to get to the playoff. They're going to win two games against inferior opponents. They're going to beat the 12 seed. They're going to play some, some team that – was ranked like ninth that got a buy because they're the fourth highest ranked you know power five champ or power four champ. And then Notre Dame's gonna make to the to, to the final four. And these same people are gonna cry and cry and cry about how unfair it is that Notre Dame as a five seed had to play, you know, this team, this team, and this team. Whereas if they were a three seed, they would have had to play like Georgia, Bama, or LSU in the second round. And it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Well, you guys started this. You guys started this. Everything that keeps happening to you is because of you. You created this. And now we're going to, what is Notre Dame supposed to sit around and, well, woe is us. I guess we're never going to be a powerhouse. No, we're going to go play USC. We're going to play Army in New York Stadium, you know, and Yankee Stare in the polo grounds. And we're going to do all these type of things. You created this monster and now you're mad about it. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. 
and that's why I say, Sean, at the end of the day, it is. It's they hate us because they, they hate us because they ain't us. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Josh nailed it. If any team in college football could say we're going to be independent, yes. get our own TV deal, be financially solvent, can schedule whoever the heck we want, can play all over the country, you're telling me that they would say no? You're telling me Ohio State would say no in that instance? You're telling me Alabama would say no to that? You're telling me Texas – we already know Texas wouldn't say no because Texas already tried this, right? And so that's that's what it boils down to is how can this school with eight or 9,000 students, this little Catholic school in, in, in South Bend, Indiana – actually, technically, they're in Notre Dame, Indiana. There's some idiot on Twitter the other day talking about, you know, uh, they were saying something's going to happen in Notre Dame, Indiana. There's no such thing as Notre Dame, Indiana. And I was like, once again, people that just know nothing – <laughs> have very bold opinions. You ever notice yeah. that? Like people that have the dumbest opinions tend to be the loudest to share them. Yeah. It just, it, there's just so much ignorance when it comes down to it. And if Notre Dame is smart, they will soak it all in and use it all to their advantage. And that's what I don't know, Sean. I don't know Pete Bavacqua. I have no deal what kind of intestinal fortitude he has. Say what you want about Jack Swarbrick. Mm-hmm. But Jack Swarbrick's intestinal fortitude is why he's been able to to ward off a lot of this super conference thing for as long as he did. Because they tried this back in 2011, and Jack was a major you know power broker to keep that from happening. Jack Swarbrick has fought and fought and fought to make sure that Notre Dame remained in the place that it has in different places. And now now we're gonna you know find out if if Pete Bavacqua has that. I think, honestly, coming from where he comes from, I think one of the things he does have is the fortitude inside of those executive boardrooms. I think he, I think he's very familiar with being able to navigate that, especially when it comes to TV deals, revenue, things of that nature. Now, is he the type of guy that is more willing to spend and invest in the actual program than, say, what Jack did in certain areas and certain things that we know are on the horizon for the football program will say, well, to be honest, you still have to connect that to Jack. That's not just going to be about Pete Bavacqua because he's going to be the one in the seat when those things come to fruition. I want to point this out as well. I talked to um, Ryan about this a little bit yesterday. You watch the combine. It's very easy to see. It is as complex as we make sports, football, baseball, and they are layered. You watch Mayor's Leofowl run. You watch Javante Jean-Baptiste run. And then you watch Dallas Turner run. And you say, there it is. There's the gap. It's very evident. There's the gap Notre Dame has to make up. There it is. Over the last decade, you watch the quarterbacks that have come through Alabama and you watch the quarterbacks that have come through Notre Dame. And it's very evident there's the gap. There's the gap, right? And Notre Dame, through development, and you pointed out and talked about it with Josh, how the 25 class in the secondary is being impacted by what? By Kyle Hamilton. Mm-hmm. We expect Cam Hart to run the four fours today. Then it'll be Cam Hart. Next year, it be Ben Morrison. Now you're starting to get first round, second round consistently right. in the defensive backfield. So now kids are saying Notre Dame's a school I can go to as a safety right. and a cornerback to be right. a first round pick. Now you start to close the gap. What's the next stage? Yes, we need a 363 pounder that can run 5 2. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't know if we've ever had one, but it would be nice to go ahead and get guys like Stefan Tuitt consistently. I mean, Lewis Nix was close. I mean, Lewis Nix was 320, 330, could run around that range. Yeah, certainly, boy, right? that's, that's 40 more pounds, boy. That's, that's, he, but he you don't probably, need to be 360, right? That, no, that, no, my, I was that, just that's pointing out. My, right, right. I was just pointing out, and really, that was I should have just stayed with Alabama and just their long list of defensive tackles that they were able to put in the first right. round. I couldn't have stayed there. And – there's a reason why, you know, kids on the offensive line will say, I'll choose Notre Dame over Alabama. Right. You know why? Because the track record of the offensive linemen from Notre Dame are better. 
in the NFL, and they they get drafted in the first round, just like Alabama's offensive lineman. It is literally we can see. Go watch the combine, and you can right. see the gap and where Notre Dame has right. to get and, and, to. And that's why, Sean, when we talk about – I was talking with somebody about this last night. If you and I are right about what Marcus Freeman has done on the recruiting trail, you're going to start to see that. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. I'll argue that Drake Bowen is every bit as fast, if not faster, than Marist and J.D. Bertrand. Those and I would argue faster. But he's faster at like 6'3", 240. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's the difference. He can run like Jack Kaiser, but he's three inches taller and he's 30, 20 pounds heavier. Right? Like that's the difference. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to start to see, in my opinion – the manifestation of Marcus Freeman's recruiting take off because there is now the Bubakar Traoris, the Bryce Youngs, the mm-hmm. Logan Thomases, right? You want to talk about a, a man who who recruits uh, six four DNs that can run four fours? Notre Dame just did with Logan Thomas. Like that's that's what they just did. Mm-hmm. Now you got to develop him and put some weight on him and that kind of stuff. But the the point, the fact of the matter is, Sean is you're starting to see that change. But at some point, you've got to kick the door down. And, and that's that's where Notre Dame has missed the boat at, and missed opportunities. And this is why I point back to. This is why I get so mad when I think about the 2015 season. This is why I get so mad when I think about the 2014 or the 2017 season. Because those were those missed opportunities where you had the roster, like Josh was talking about. He said, you know, mm-hmm. Notre Dame hasn't had the perimeter speed in a lot of years. And a lot in, in this, he was talking about this past year, receiver. He's absolutely right. They had that in 2015. They had the they had the most explosive wide receiver in college football that year. They had one of the most explosive running back rooms in college football that year. They had an athletic quarterback. They had two cornerbacks that were gonna, you know, you know that that were NFL players in 2015. You had the most explosive linebacker of the last decade in 2015 like you you had those pieces in place and that's what made it so frustrating and and so at some point in time Notre Dame's going to have to take advantage of those opportunities and kick down that door and and it doesn't always mean win it but you've got to get on that stage make a run and then be competitive and that's what helped Clemson Clemson showed in 2015 hey you know what we can hang with these guys in the whole next offseason they went out and it was focused on, hey, we we there was a belief that we can beat that team, but mm-hmm. we just got to get better here, here, and here. When you get beat 42 to 12, 14 and you can beat 30 to 3, it's not a we're almost as good as them. It's we got a long way to go. And and so they've been closing that gap, but they're at some point in time, they're gonna have to kick that door down to some degree. Because right now, and, and we'll we'll dive into this conversation in, in a little bit, but to me. That's why Marcus Freeman was a game changer for Notre Dame, potential game changer for Notre Dame. We got to still find out if he can coach at a high level, right? That's that's going to be a legitimate question. But that was the knock on Kirby his first several years, right? I mean, Josh talked about this. It was great recruiter, but can he coach? And you know, mm. you think about some of the dumb decisions he made, right? I still think of what was it the twenty was it the twenty eighteen champ? Uh, it was the twenty eighteen SEC title game. Recalls yeah. that ridiculous fake punt when at the midfield and Bama's on punt safe and they right. brought Justin Fields on the field. And you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. But, but but what happened? Kirby learned from that. Yeah. And he kept building his team. This is what we got to get to. Let's build. Let's be, get better here. We got to get better there. And he built to it. It takes time. You know, Dabo took his lumps before he built a championship team. You know, and so that's 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 the situation that you got to find yourself in. They've got to be able to to kick down that door at some point in time and not miss the opportunities that are there. And and that's where you because like you go back to 2012, that that team wasn't going to be if Manti didn't have the issues he had. I think it's a more competitive game. They still don't win. They they, it, they still don't win. They they have to say a 2018 team that got on that stage. That was not the best Notre Dame team in the last 10 years. That no. was the most. That was the team that had the best combination of, of attitude and fundamentals and leadership and all that. But roster wise, that wasn't the best. The team the year before to me had the had a better roster. The fifteen team had a better roster. I've hey. heard people make the case that the. I mean, and this is two thousand eleven. Exactly, that yeah. team had the roster. Like if that team would have had the leadership and the toughness of the twenty twelve team. Mm-hmm. Imagine if and here. Imagine if Notre Dame goes to play Alabama in twenty twelve. And they've got Michael Floyd, Jonas Gray on offense, right? 
And on defense, you've got Harrison Smith, Darius Fleming, right? I mean, like all of a yeah. sudden, hold on a second now. Oh, Robert Blanton, right? I mean, think about that. If that team that in 2011 gets a chance to play in 2012 with the same attitude and character and all that, but there was a missed opportunity because they didn't have football character. And that's what gets so frustrating is because this notion that Notre Dame doesn't have the talent is just like, well, it's not, there's been years where that's true, but that hasn't been consistently true. It hasn't. No. And in 2015, when Notre Dame, I've said this before, in 2015, when Notre Dame and Clemson played each other, Notre Dame had a higher ranked recruiting class in four of the five years before they played. Facts. Notre Dame recruited better than Clemson as a, as a rankings from, from going into Clemson's title year. Well, why, why was Clemson the better? Clemson was a better team. Why? It wasn't just because of the quarterback, because Dabo knew how to recruit to build a team. Yes. He understood the value of that three star kid from, from Georgia that's going to come here and be hungry. He understood the value of, yes, I need my Deshaun Watsons and my Mike Williamses, but I also need my Hunter Renfros. Right. He went out and got Tra- Trevor, Travis Etienne when he was a three star kid. And then eventually became hired from some other people. And so that's the thing that, that you get down to is it's not it. But the other part is that 2015 Notre Dame team had more players drafted in the first three rounds of the NFL draft when their careers were over. Guys that played regularly played than what Clemson did. Mm-hmm. Right. But Clemson was the better team. So there have been years when Notre Dame didn't win it and lost to, to inferior talent where you know, like in 2015, you gonna tell me Stanford had better talent than Notre Dame in 2015? <laughs> no, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. The only team that Notre Dame played that year, that top to bottom had better players than they had, was Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. That's it, because that was the best. That was the best roster in college football that year. They just didn't have the they didn't have the leadership and the right team, and you know, and, and that team had no business losing to anybody in 2015. Yeah, the 2014 Ohio State team, to me, talent wise, wasn't as good as the 2015 Ohio State team, but it was a better team. And that's what Notre Dame is going to have to prove, Sean, because the town excuse, I'm sick of it. it. It doesn't it doesn't hold water anymore. But here's the thing. Until you go out and shut people up with how you play. It's it's not going to change like Georgia fans, by and large, have a far different view of Notre Dame than Alabama fans fans mm. for two reasons. One, Alabama fans have always been delusional. That's just reality. But Georgia fans saw face to face it their own eyes twice. This Notre Dame team is no joke. Clemson fans have a completely different opinion of Notre Dame than Ohio State fans. Why? Because most Ohio State fans that are 35 and younger have only experienced Ohio State kicking the crap out of Notre Dame. That's it. That's all I've experienced until this year, right? But Georgia fans say, hey, we we went toe-to-toe with that team. We watched that team almost beat us on our home field in 2019. We watched that team almost beat us the year we went and played for the title in 2017. So at some point in time, you know, Notre Dame's going to have to say, like Clemson fans have a much greater respect for Notre Dame than a lot of other fan bases. Why? Because they watched Notre Dame, even in years where they beat Notre Dame, say, but that team gave us everything that they could handle. And then they beat them a couple times. Mm-hmm. At some point in time, they're going to have to kick down that door on a big picture standpoint. Because otherwise, Sean, you're going to keep hearing this. Because what will happen, and what I'm looking forward to, is when Notre Dame does kick down that door, ESPN's not going to say, Notre Dame is great. We love Notre Dame. No, you're going to start seeing the hit pieces come out, <laughs> right? The tarnished dome and this, right. and, and they practice too many hours one week in the summer. And you're going to see all this. All of a sudden, ESPN is going to rediscover investigative journalism the minute Notre Dame gets done celebrating their national championship. You and I both know this to be true. But again, it's like, bring it. Bring, I'll bring it, right? You know, because then they just look silly. And that's what I'm hopefully looking forward to. But they've got to kick that door down first. Yeah. Because until you can start getting those W's, you're not going to shut people up. You're not going to shut people up at Ohio State because you don't know what beating them is like. Right? Michigan shut them up. How? Kick the crap out of them for three straight years. That that shuts them up. That shut them Bama up. Bama fans stopped talking trash about Clemson when Clemson smacked them two out of three years. Right? Like, Bama fans stopped talking about Georgia when Georgia said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you don't own us anymore. And so that's the thing, Sean, is, is they're going to have to kick down that door at some point in time. And until they do, this is, this is going to be what people say. It, and the task. As dumb as it is. 
something that you talked about as well is how difficult it is. And we talked about this on the previous RTCF show that we did together. Like, oh, winning at Notre Dame is different. No, like just face it. It's a more difficult task to win in Notre Dame for multiple reasons. And if you win one, like Lou Holtz has done, it will feel like you won three to four at Notre Dame. 100%. Because the task is a little bit more difficult as a head coach. Yeah. Every other head, maybe not Ryan Day because Ryan Day hasn't done it. Urban felt like the CEO at Ohio State. Nick Saban felt like the C- is the CEO. Heck, he might run that whole entire university or ran. He might have run the entire university. Kirby feels like the CBO, CEO. Dabo is not going anywhere. He runs his own shit. It's like, yo, unfortunately, there is no head coach in Notre Dame that will ever get that. They would not be allowed to have that feeling. They just won't. So it's different. And you have to prove that you're worth the investment in Notre Dame. From the administration. And in this situation, Marcus Freeman came into the, one of the most difficult head coaching jobs with zero head coaching experience and had to learn on the fly how to handle one of the most difficult jobs in all of college football. And won nine games. I don't have to mention him. You know the quarterbacks he had his first year. No need to mention it. Won nine games. Came back next year, tried to upgrade. Didn't get the return on investment. Still won 10 games. Should have been 11. Gave the Ohio State game away. Gave it away. And with all of that being said, now we go into year three. And we're saying there is no way. you, Marcus Freeman, you can't lose to Texas A&M. You can't. Right. You can't. Right. Expectations are expectations. Like we're a very understanding of the learning curve you had, the coaching staff that might not have been assembled the way you would have assembled it, all the things that were obstacles and the debacle with the OC situation. We understand all of that. The fan base, we weren't blind. We saw it. But now it's getting very close. I don't know if it's at that point. But it's getting very close to put up a shut up time. It's getting yeah. really close. Yeah. Well, Sean, we're that, go ahead. Go. No, go ahead, buddy. Finish what you're gonna say. No, and that for me is what I want Notre Dame fans, and you touch this to really tap into. Because we're getting to a place where okay, we're about to see that door we expect to eventually be kicked down, it should be right around the corner. We should be right on the precipice of it. It should be right there, whether it's 24, 25. It, it, it should be right there where we start to see the marked improvement in this program on the field. A lot of people right. said in the chat, right, being relevant money-wise, journalism-wise is one thing. Being relevant right. on the field, and, and, that is the that, next step. That's the point I brought up to Josh. People that, that don't understand the difference between brand power and on field power they don't and that well, notre dame's not relevant in, mm-hmm. in what capacity right like there was a time when that would have met that would have meant something if we were talking about the on-field product it, it would have i mean the entire bob davy era the in, char, entire charlie weiss era outside of one season uh, most of brian kelly's first half of his tenure it was true where notre dame had that one 2012 season but from 2010 to 2014 Notre Dame was 12 and 0, and then their next best record was 9 and 4 with a win over Rutgers in a bowl game. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that followed the, the Charlie Weiss era where they had were had a losing record of three previous seasons. So there was a time when, yeah, Notre Dame's not a relevant factor when it comes to championships on the field. They're not. But you still don't understand, well, why does Notre Dame get to do this as this? Because the brand is still as strong as any other brand in college football. And it is amazing how many fan bases, including some from Notre Dame, that don't understand the difference between brand power and football strength program mm-hmm. strength and notre dame gets away with what they get away with and i use that word to to give them the term which i probably shouldn't because they are still in elite like when we're talking about tiers, we're going to talk the second part of the show is going to talk about tiers. 
Notre Dame is a tier two team on the field. We'll talk about that, but they're absolutely a tier one team when it comes to brand power. There, there's, mm-hmm. there's no question about that. And we'll, we'll get into that, but we're going to focus more on football. But the reality is when, when, when you talk about who Notre Dame is, that this discussion is going to continue to last until Notre Dame does start to change the conversation on the field. And that's what it comes down to. So we're going to get into that, that tier, Sean. But let's first, before we do, folks, do us a favor. We kind of recovered from a rough start. So I'm, I'm glad that we were able to get that Josh Pate interview going. Do me a favor, folks. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. And if you're not done so, sign up for the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Here we go. 